الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد ويان سوره فصلت حميم سجده as it is more commonly known as حميم سجده your translator has called it fussilat surah number 41 a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem bismillahir rahmanir rahim hamim tanzilun minar rahmanir rahim kitaban fussilat ayatuhu qur'anan arabiyyan liqaumi ya'lamun The surah begins with Hamim, two of the broken letters, and as you know, several surahs begin with uh, similar letters that are detached, and we don't know the meanings of these letters. Allah knows, and whoever else Allah gives knowledge to, they know. but we don't know and we're not obligated to find out what they mean either okay so you mustn't uh, uh, try to bang your head and uh, spend 30 40 years trying to find out what they mean especially as not an obligation the obligation is to recite the ayah that's the obligation we have as muslims hamim When we recite the ayah, we will be rewarded at least ten for saying ha and ten for saying meem. That is the primary purpose of revelation, is to use revelation as an ibadah, as recitation, as qira'ah, and so on. So certain ayat of the Qur'an we may have knowledge of, and there are other ayat of the quran like these that we don't know what they mean one day perhaps sometime uh, later on after we die we hopefully might be exposed to what they mean but not in this world okay some people say they know what they mean and um, you know if you know that level of arabic you may study those and as i said even those uh, uh, so called assumptions of understanding they're not concrete enough to say that this is what they mean they are whatever they are only allah knows this is a revelation from the rahman and the rahim that this quran and these ayat these verses are a revelation tanzil a coming down a bringing down Nazala means to come down. Tanzil means to bring down. Like Inzal means to bring down. Obviously there are nuances there. Maybe for another level of understanding somewhere. So this is Allah bringing down His revelation. And that is from where? The Rahman and the Rahim. that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, grace and his mercy and his rahmah is a primary uh, reason for the tanzil for the revelation to come down Allah has immense compassion for people and he wants to communicate his word to people 
he wants to communicate his intent to people and because of that divine eternal desire for the uh, what do you call it the eternal bliss of human beings allah's rahmah and allah's uh, compassion is what is bringing this revelation from a place where we have no belonging we don't belong that in the divine realm okay and it comes down to the level where a young child uh, would be able to say hamim so this is the rahman rahim so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's eternal intent to show rahmah on human beings by communicating his will the divine is beyond comprehension there's no way our aql our understanding our intelligence can grasp who the divine is what the divine is and there's absolutely no way we can understand his speech either okay so what does allah do allah brings it down from the level of total abstract to the level of very simple recitation that's what tanzil means in bringing down from one level to another and why is that the rahman and the rahim the one who wants to show immense rahmah both in the dunya and in the akhirah so some scholars say the rahman is for showing rahmah in terms of a comprehensive rahmah for all creation and rahim is where he will show selective rahmah for those whom he chooses to enter jannah and others who are higher in jannah etc anyway whatever it is but the idea here is that we are not capable of understanding who allah is we are not capable of understanding allah's speech nor are we capable of listening to allah's speech nor are we capable of reciting allah's speech and that is the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam saying to jibril and hira i can't read says only until jibril transferred his nur his power into the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was able to read then the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam recited then the sahaba recited then we recite okay so it's a bringing down to total bringing down to our level and that shows his compassion that shows his rahmah so allah's eternal rahmah is manifested in the revelation of the quran hmm. yeah, to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and then to us so that is allah's rahmah in in action Uh, we are not able to uh, decipher certain codes that human beings write not everybody knows how to write a language computer language and software programming and we are not able to understand how the tape recorder works how the sound waves work and we are not able to understand how birds talk and communicate we are not able to understand so many other things in the universe we don't understand every sound that we hear and listen to okay so how can we say we understand allah's speech it is beyond us it is you know it is not discernible 
is not perceivable either. So Allah wanted to communicate with human beings. So he sent his speech. So he allowed human beings to understand, receive, recite, memorize, retain, and uh, recite out as an ibadah, his speech. That's this meaning, ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Okay, so the rahmah is with the tanzil, the bringing down. That concept you will only understand if you believe that Allah's rahmah is what reveals who he is. Otherwise, for us, there's no way to know who Allah is except through revelation. So this is his generosity. This is his karam, as we say. Anyway, but more than that, when he reveals, he doesn't leave revelation enigmatic, ambiguous. Kitabun fussilat ayatu. The revelation then, this is a book or revelation, uh, whose ayat and verses are explained, mm, clarified, opened up, separated from the word fasal, fussilat ayat. They're separated and they're categorized and then they, they, they are in, arranged in order so that you know which ayah goes where and which meaning goes where, etc., etc. Right. So this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has facilitated the understanding of his revelation. Okay. Most of it. And not all of it. As Hamim, as I said, you won't understand that. But Allah subhanahu wa whatever is needed for our felicity, for our salvation, and for our eternal bliss, Allah has explained all of those ayat that we need in order for our success what we don't need necessarily for our success. He has revealed those also so that he shows us that he is Allah, he is God, he's in control, and he does whatever he wants, but it's part of speech. So we will reveal the huruf also. We'll reveal the letters also. Fussilat ayatu. They have been separated and they have been organized and arranged in such a way that they are comprehensible and they are applicable. Quran and Arabian, as an Arabic Quran, that the Arabic language is the language Allah chooses to send His last revelation, so that the last and final revelation is for all human beings and for all times and all people. Yeah. So Quran means recitation. So Quran here is not Al Quran in the what do you call it, with the Alif Lam, uh, the article, definite article. Uh, but it's Quran and Arabian with a Sifa, Mosul Sifa. Although for those who know Arabic, Mosul Sifa eventually does become a type of Marifa. But uh, it is here that the Arabicness is for the recitation, and the recitation is with the Arabic. Quran and Arabian, meaning you can only recite the Quran in Arabic. You cannot recite the Quran in non-Arabic, meaning if you read a translation, that's not Quran. That's the translation of the Quran. Okay, so when you give a non-Muslim a copy of the Quran, don't say that. Say you're given a copy of the translation of the Quran. So the Quran is Arabic, pure and simple. Why? Because that's the recitation. Why can you only recite in Arabic? Because the Prophet 
uh, is an Arab and he recited in Arabic and we follow him in Ibadat and in our Ibadat uh, the Prophet recited the Quran in Arabic so we follow him that's why we recite the Quran in Arabic it's very simple it's not a question of universalizing the translation of the Quran because then the translation will differ every translator will have a different a translation of every ayah so which now translation are you going to recite? So then that's not universal. That's being selective. So you read Pictor, you, you use Vali, you use this one, Zaki, and you read others and say, which translation am I going to recite in? When I'm reciting the Quran in Salah. So you say, no, that's not universal. Universal is that you follow the Prophet وسلم, in, in, in Ibadah. And in Ibadah, the Prophet recited in Arabic. Therefore, we will follow the Prophet and recite in Arabic. It is that simple. And that is how you make the Prophet and the Quran universal by telling everybody else, you learn Arabic, you memorize it, and you recite it. Don't be that lazy. You can memorize songs that are not in your language. Why can't you memorize the Qur'an that's not in your language? Sure you can. Mm. Millions of people uh, learn Hindi songs and they sing Hindi songs in the world. They don't know a word or what it means. They just like the song, they just like the tune. So that's just human laziness to say, how can you force people to memorize? You're not forcing anybody to do anything. You can do whatever you want. But if you want to worship Allah, worship Him the way the Prophet ﷺ did. That's now your commitment to Islam. Islam means you're committed to it. Not that you're asking for favors and concessions here and there. Quran and Arabian. So one component of the Quran being Arabic is that it is a recitation. The other component, لِقَوْمِ alamun for those who know, for those who know the Arabic, those who know Arabic will understand that the Qur'an is organized and the verses are arranged and the verses are uh, sequenced and the verses are this way, this way, they're categorized, indexed and then they're, they're compartmentalized and you have this ayah and this ayah, this ayah. لِقَوْمِ alamun for those who know. So knowing is a process. Known is not an event. So these, this ayah is promoting the idea of knowing, meaning seeking knowledge. So that takes time. As we just said, it's a process, it's not an event. So understanding the Qur'an now is a process that you may start to understand the Qur'an if you understand Arabic. And that is what you are doing here at Dar al-Qasim and other institutions. Um, say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed Tanzil, He has brought down His Word and His revealed His intent to human beings, for human beings, in the Arabic language. The Quran is in the Arabic language. Now then, you have the merits of the Arabic language over other languages, which we won't mention here, but that is something. That's also documented and very easily proven that the Arabic language is the most versatile language in which meanings are represented and the language is so creative that you can get meanings from 
so many meanings and so many words from one word and so on. But you have to learn all that. Bashirun adhiram. That we have sent you with this Quran, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa All the Quran is being revealed in the Arabic language as a Bashir and as a Nadir. As someone that gives glad tidings and someone that warns. So you have now both types of sentiments in the world. Human beings are now are eager to listen to good news and they are not so eager to listen to bad news. So they will take measures to remove fear from them and they will take measures to bringing good into their lives. So Bashir is uh, the institution of bringing good and Nadir is the institution of warding people away from evil and from danger and from threats, etc. So the Qur'an's role is to give good news as it is to give bad news or to give warnings rather than bad news. Is warning you, if you do this, this will happen. So everything Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has predetermined that if you do good deeds, you will end up here. And if you do bad deeds, you will end up here. So the Qur'an is complete and wholesome, holistic, comprehensive in this sense that it, uh, it gives everything its due and its merit. Okay, so where the merit is there, it will give glad tidings. And where the merit is not there, it will give warnings. And that's all you can ask for, uh, that there is equal opportunity and there is equal access, and there is no fairness, that it is fair. You have an equal playing field that the Qur'an does not shy away from, warning people of dangers and potential threats and so on. But man and human beings in general, they are not so eager to listen to warnings, so most of them, they turn away. Mm. Most of them they turn away and they don't listen. Yeah, they don't listen because they don't want to listen. They're not just afraid. They're concerned that if we listen to all of this warning all the time, then we won't have any fun left in life and we won't be able to enjoy life and we won't be able to live the way we want to. We'll always be constrained and restricted and confined and so on. But that freedom of doing whatever you want to leads to a constriction in mind, in psyche, in emotions and so on. Because with that, freedom leads to anger, leads to, as I said, frustration, leads to depression, leads to other uh, ills that you cannot cure even with medicine. Whereas if you, if you live a kind of confined, not confined, but restricted life, and you have a good disciplined lifestyle, you'll always be much happier than if you don't have a disciplined lifestyle. Mm. That's just the reality of life. For whom lies wrong, they don't listen. Uh, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, this is a warning that if you don't follow the guidelines, you will enjoy life for a few moments but then you'll pay the price. What is the price? You'll be sad. You'll be miserable. You'll be angry. You'll be frustrated. And you'll be disappointed with everybody 
because nobody is fulfilling your desires or your needs and you'll be craving for more and you'll be looking in every direction for more and more and more until your addictions overwhelm you and you don't have the ability to fulfill any of your addiction and then you crash. So you see what COVID has done for the whole world and especially in this country where a party-loving nation now is so angry and frustrated that one half of the country couldn't care less about COVID and they couldn't care less whether people die or live and the other half is saying you should be very disciplined, organized, wear masks and uh, have social uh, spacing and be careful, etc. So now you see that those who know and understand that a disciplined life is actually good for you, uh, they're not that angry. And those who don't like discipline, they're very angry. They're very frustrated. Uh, and they do whatever they want to do in the name of freedom. Mm. All right, so that's nadir. Uh, so the COVID is warning people, if you don't do this, you'll get it. So anyone who warns, nobody likes anyone who warns you of anything. So everybody, half the country hates the whole idea and the other country is doing it simply to stay alive. So this indar, this ability of the nadir, the warner, to intimidate people and to restrict people's lifestyles is very evident in this COVID era where those who appreciate a little bit of discipline are much more, shall we say, safer than those who don't appreciate safety and discipline because they're more angry than those who are applying the rules or the safety guidelines, etc. So this is for أَكْثَرُهُمْ Most people, they turn away and they reject the truth and they don't listen. They don't listen because their freedom goes away and their enjoyment and pleasure goes away. So that's the, the bottom line of Bashir, one of these. The Qur'an is a complete book, and in its completion is going to give you good news, and in its completion is going to warn you. And that's all you can ask for, as I said, that you are an honest, truthful book, and you understand reality, and you understand human beings. This is God's intent, Allah's intent, Allah's murad and this Allah's speech for man that Allah has revealed and he has revealed this out of his eternal rahmah his eternal rahmah, his lutf his jud and karam his graciousness, his generosity brings down his word to the level where we can recite it very easily otherwise we should not be able to recite the Quran with any ease except it will be very, very difficult for us as it was for the Prophet ﷺ to recite the words of the Qur'an. They were very, very heavy upon his tongue. Mm. So anyway, this is how the first few ayat okay, come together and we see that all this is part of Hamim. Hamim is whatever Hamim is. That's why the surah is named Hamim Sajda, that the Sajda is in the surah. We really don't know how the ayat of the Qur'an are arranged in totality. We have an idea, enough for execution in this world, and whatever there are uh, meanings, we will learn in the other world, uh, inshallah. 
وقالوا قلوبنا في يقنة مما تدعونا إليه وفي آذاننا وقر ومن بيننا وبينك حجاب فعمل إننا عاملون They are the people who turn away and reject the warning and they do not believe in Allah, they don't believe in the Qur'an as a revelation. Uh, they say that in our hearts uh, there is a, a veil, hmm. that there is a covering in our hearts. That stops us from believing what you are calling us towards. So they, out of stubbornness and arrogance, they admit, uh, out of pure derision and was sarcasm, that yeah, our hearts are veiled, our hearts are sealed. You can say what you want, but we don't want to listen. That we have this covering over our hearts and we're okay with that. So whatever you're calling us towards, referring to the Quraysh primarily and to others nowadays also by extension, that we are now saying this uh, by our actions, with our actions, and through our behavior, that our hearts are sealed and we don't want to listen. Oh, this one way Allah is now confirming that the message has been delivered. When people say that their hearts are covered and sealed, It means the message is delivered and they're rejecting the message. And that's all you can ask for. Allah has delivered the message. The prophets have delivered that message. And the prophets, sallallahu and others, other Muslims have delivered the message. And as a reaction to this deliverance of the message, or the delivery of the message, they say our hearts are sealed. Okay, so now they are... Uh, they are witnesses uh, against themselves. The hujjah, the final burden of proof, is upon them, and they've now proven to themselves uh, that they have received the message. Oh, so that is now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying that's the final warning uh, when you start speaking like this, that you don't want to listen. And in our ears, there's a certain type of heaviness. Okay, there's a certain type of deafness, there's a certain type of, again, another barrier. And between us and you, there is a veil, there's a covering, there's a parda, that there's a curtain between us and you, and there's no way we can see each other, talk to each other, communicate with each other, and so on. So Allah sends down His revelation to reveal, expose to mankind, what his intent is, what his word is. And then human beings, they set up barriers. We don't want you to talk to us. We want these veils and curtains between us and you. We don't want to listen to you. So the humans, they reject Allah's word. And Allah wants human beings to listen to his word. So there is this tension between human rejection and divine compassion. There's a conflict there. Uh, and when that conflict occurs, then human volition uh, takes over and human beings do what they want to do. Then they play God and say, you do what you want and we are doing what we want. You, if you're God, whoever you are representing God, you do what you want. We are doing 
what we want to do. So that's human uh, prerogatives, human freedom, uh, and human volition in action, where human beings do not want to be restricted in any way, shape, or form. They don't want to be told what to do, etc., etc. Since now the state of human beings is that they uh, simply do not wish to have a moral compass. They don't want others to show them how moral, immoral they are. They want freedom, which is another word for anarchy. They don't want chaos in the way they arrange their infrastructure, the way they drive, they regulate their laws. But they want freedom in terms of their minds, in terms of their thinking, in terms of their food, clothing, dressing, behavior, orientation, whatever it is. And in their, as I said, thinking more than anything else. Uh, So they will say, outrightly we reject God's word. They will believe in God, but they will be agnostic in their behavior, or they may just be atheists and believe that he doesn't exist. Or they will just be people who have a sense of religion, but they really don't adhere to religion. So whatever the level of kufr is, kufrun dunu kufrin, as you say, whatever level of kufr they're in, they will now expose that. So kufr is something that should be hidden, but they don't hide it, they expose it. And they go around the world behaving as if they are on top of the world, and they assume that they are the best, etc., Right. So Allah's word and Allah's intent is for human beings to discipline themselves in this world so they can benefit from eternal happiness and joy. And human beings want the immediate. They want immediate satisfaction. They're not concerned about deferred payments and deferred cash and deferred credit. They want enjoyment now. They're not interested in the akhirah, what's going to happen later. Hence, they reject any voice uh, that tells them they have to be careful here. قُلْ إِنَّمَا نَبَشَرُمْ مِثْلُكُمْ يُحَائِلَيَّ إِنَّمَا إِلَهُكُمْ إِلَهُ وَاحِدٌ فَاسْتَقِيمُوا إِلَيْهِ وَاسْتَغْفِرُوهُ وَوَيْلٌ لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ Say, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that I'm also a human being like you. I am human like you. Meaning, just as you want to enjoy and take it easy, I'm also a human being. I also have the same amount of you know, desire that you have. I have equal opportunity. I'm human, you're human. Uh, there's temptation on my side, there's temptation on your side. Uh, Mithlukum, like you. So if I were you, maybe I might be saying the same thing. Except that wahi has come to me. Yuha ilayya. It has been revealed to me. The difference between me and you is that I have been selected to represent Allah's word and to translate Allah's intent and to expose what Allah wants to you. So I am an ambassador of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and because of that I forego my temptations, I forego uh, my inclinations, otherwise we are on equal terms, we are on the same field, the turf is the same, Okay, the ground is the same for me and for you, meaning we are both human 
And because we are both human, you must follow me because I have been given this trust that I am now delivering to you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he wants you to play the game this way with these rules. He doesn't want you to play the game this way with your rules. And if you play the game this way, then you'll win. And if you play the game your way, you will lose. So that is the distinction of wahi. I know the intent of Allah. I know what Allah wants from us. And that is why you should follow me. So I am a human being like you. I have the same ability, potential ability, to do what you do, but I don't. And one of the main reasons I don't is that I see Allah's will. أَنَّمَا إِلَٰهُكُمْ إِلَٰهُ وَاحِدٌ Indeed, your ilah and your God, your deity, is one God, one ilah. So here we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying that the one who is worthy of worship is one. إِلَٰهُ وَاحِدٌ A single being, not many beings. If you want to please someone, then you please one. You can't please all. So the word ilah here will refer to anyone that you wish to please, that you wish to obey, that you wish to follow, that you wish to uh, now petition and supplicate to, and that you wish to worship and love as a supreme being, as an authority, as a power, whatever it is. That's what the word ilah is now going to include in its etymology, in its ishtiqaq. As uh, we know, that the word ilah will have all of these implied meanings. That's how they use the word ilah in their poetry and so on. But it is one single being that you must resort to, one single being. Try and please one single being and obey one single being. If you have multiplicity of things and beings that you want to please, then you'll be scattered and you'll be confused. So one day I have to please this one, and the same day in the morning or the evening I have to please this one, then the next day I have to please another one, and then on Sunday I have to please five different people, and I have to obey them, and I have to follow them, and then all of them. So it's not just about worship. It's about the, the, the mind's ability to focus on someone that you know is representing the truth. That's the word ilah. Again, who represents the truth? Is it your parents? Is it your spouse? Is it your family? Is it the community, society? Is it now the president? Is it democracy? Is it capitalism? What is it that you are subscribing to that you say, I must follow this order? So following an order exactly means that. That institution or that ideology or that person is giving an order. And you're following the order. So there's only one person's, one being's order that you need to follow, and that is Allah, ilahu wahid. And there's only one being whose order you need to follow for uh, eternal success. فَاسْتَقِيمُوا إِلَيْهِ So be straight and, and follow him exclusively. Uh, develop istiqama, uh, steadfastness and uh, continuity. Uh, stability, resilience, and also constancy, along with consistency. Be consistent in which order you follow. You cannot follow three or four different orders 
because there will be a short fuse and as I said, you'll be confused. After that, you're following one this way and you're following one that way. Right? So there'll be a tug of war and one will always win and then the next time, the other one will win and you'll be very disappointed with yourself and with others. فَاسْتَقِيمُوا So stand firm and straight and walk towards him. Be consistent with him and constantly with him, etc. So this is the formula for people to develop their mindset and their worldview and their ideology, that their ideology is aligned with Allah's word, Allah's speech and Allah's order. So this is something huge for every Muslim, especially as they read in the Quran, وَاسْتَغْفِرُوا at the same time, seek forgiveness from him. He knows that you will make mistakes. So usually in human constructs, when you make mistakes, they may forgive you once or twice. And then they'll sack you, they'll fire you, or they'll get rid of you, or they'll disown you, or they'll reject you, or they'll just cut off ties with you after these mistakes. One is, okay, fine. Two is not so good. Three, that's abandonment. So they will disappoint you. With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can make as many mistakes as you want. Seek forgiveness from him because he's the only one who can forgive you. Yeah, so this is the human frailty and weaknesses uh, are, play, are in place and they are accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah accepts human frailty and weaknesses as one of his orders. And for that order, there is tawbah, there is forgiveness, there is repentance, there is remorse, and then there is reform and refinement and so on. So here we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying that part of his revelation and the revelation whose ayat are arranged and organized in such a way that you can now pinpoint exactly how you must behave here. So in this order of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you make a mistake and you do something wrong, then Allah will not disown you. That's his order, that's revelation. That's his word, that's his intent for you. So Allah's intent for you is that if you make a mistake, Seek forgiveness, and Allah will forgive you. وَاسْتَغْفِرُوا سُزْنَا Allah's rahma In, in uh, operation, تَنْزِيلُ مِنَ الرَّحْمَانِ الرَّحِيمِ So this tanzil is from the Rahman, from the Rahim, who gives you rahma everywhere, every step of the way. Whether you obey him, there is not a reason for him to show rahma, And when you disobey him, give him a reason to show you rahma. And that is through istighfar. He will show you his rahmah. So this is now a revelation that Allah is revealing to you his intent uh, for you in all affairs. And woe unto me to those who now associate partners with Allah and they separate the divine abilities into different deities and gods and statues and different uh, organizations, institutions and people and the groups, etc. So they are doomed. So there is doom for those who associate partners with Allah. Wail, as they say, is a valley in Jahannam. And also just means doom in general. Failure. So I mean they're doomed for doom. Wailul lil mushrikim. Who are these people? So the Quran enumerates this early in Makkah to show people that the Qur'an already has 
an established paradigm from the people who came with Islam before the Muslims of Makkah. الَّذِينَ لَا يُتُونَ الزَّكَاةِ وَهُمْ بِالْآخِرَاتِهُمْ كَافِرُونَ Those who don't give zakat, they are, uh, they are what, doomed. Mm. They're gravitating towards Jahannam uh, very, very naturally. The zakat now becomes part of the divine intent of divine revelation. So Allah is revealing to you that you have an order in you which has tawheed in it, oneness of Allah, and you have an order in society, and that is that you wish well for society and you want to contribute to society. And the way you contribute to society is by giving zakat, by feeding people, by offering them assistance and services and community service and goodwill, etc., as part of delivering yourself, number one, from stinginess, and number two, from becoming part of the human order, where you're part of human society, and as human beings, uh, you must have this social order of helping each other. If you can't see that as a worldview, then you're doomed. You cannot afford to be selfish and say, I'm for me and me for me. You cannot, or you, you cannot afford to be isolationist and say, I have nothing to do with anybody else in the world as long as I'm earning money, paying my bills, I can have fun, etc. So the Quran says that is the way of failure and to failure. Wail, this is doom. There's nothing except darkness in that idea and that philosophy that if you do not share whatever Allah has given you with others who need it more than you do, then you are doomed. Wail, wailul mushrikeen. You are now associating yourself with God's providence and God's generosity. Allah has favored you with his generosity, so you must return the favor by showing some favor to other uh, human beings who are like you. So this is one way. And they, with the akhirah, they are non-believers and they disbelieve in the akhirah. I mean, those who don't give zakat and don't have an idea a concept of helping other human beings through their money, through their wealth and through their belongings, they really don't believe in the Akhirah because they are not expecting any reward from Allah. And Allah's revelation is saying, revealing, that Allah will reward you for every good deed that you do. So when you don't hope for the Akhirah, then you don't hope for the reward, and that is where you are going to end up in doom, otherwise known as Jahannam. Because there's no reward for you, and since there's no reward for you, there must be punishment. And where is the punishment? The punishment is in the valley in hell. So that's more doom than anyone can imagine. So here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is bringing down uh, in his revelation, his intent for people, uh, that people must help each other. Okay, So the human services are necessary, for salvation. Hmm. So there's a salvational issue also, not just a humanist or humanitarian issue. Hmm. So in Islam, you link everything with reward, and the more reward you have, the more you are inclined to doing what is more rewarding. So if there's reward in this, but more reward in something else, meaning the same action, then you will choose the one act which is more rewarding. Because you believe in the Akhirah, 
you believe in the hereafter where you will meet Allah and Allah will reward you. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَهُمْ أَجْرٌ غَيْرُ مَمْنُونَ Okay, against and in contrast with these people are those who believe in Allah, in one Allah. They believe in pleasing one being and not every being and at the same time when they follow his order they do good deeds. Okay, so they have iman and they have amal. Okay, so iman and amal go together. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants them to act upon their faith and conviction uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exists and as he exists he wants us to translate our belief in him by behaving in a certain way and that way is defined by Islam otherwise known as amal salih good deed a good deed is defined as what Islam defines a good deed because that is premised on iman and not on kufr. Amilu as-salihat, they are acting. So there's action with iman, which is necessary, and there are different types of salihat, good deeds, uh, that we all know of, including salat, salam, zakat, and hajj. And all the nawafil that are associated with salat, salam, zakat, and hajj, and all the other great deeds that we have, taking care of parents and being kind, generous to neighbors and being uh, mindful of relatives and cousins and aunts, uncles, and so keeping the family unit together, feeding people and being good to people and working for the sake of Allah and all of that. All these good deeds, uh, they are premised on iman. Those who have faith in Allah and believe in the akhirah, they, for them there is ajr. For them uh, there is reward. What kind of reward? Non-ending. غير ممنون It will never end. The perpetual, continuous and constant reward for them. Because their iman is constant and continuous, their reward for their actions will also be constant and continuous and perpetual. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now revealing to him, to to, uh, to man, that uh, take life as a whole, don't take life at the microscopic level where you're limiting life to this world. That is not the complete picture. That is a partial understanding of life. So when you understand your life, then your life began somewhere in the primordial state when you were with your ruh, uh, and then you came down into your mother's womb, and then you'll be here, then you'll go into the womb of the earth in your grave, and then you'll be resurrected on day of judgment, then you'll be in Jannah. So you take your life as a whole. Uh, so now you join, in that sense, very close to divinity. Uh, so the divine is eternal, azali and abadi, and your life will also be perpetual after you die. So when you die and you go into Jannah, that will be forever. That will be perpetual. So in order for you to understand God's word and intent, uh, you will have to be close to him. How are you going to be close to him? By understanding that your life is not limited to time and space. Uh, You're limited to time and space in this world. But in the world hereafter, you are not limited, you're unlimited. So if you want to live in the hereafter forever, which you will, uh, you will need ajar, you will need, a seven, you will need f- provisions for that place where you are. 
And there's only one place where you'll get these provisions, that's called Jannah, and Jannah is there forever. So anyway, so Allah's intent is being revealed, that we're not worthy of receiving Allah's intent, we're not capable of understanding Allah's intent. So Allah reveals Tanzilum min Rahman Rahim with His Rahmah. So the revelation of Allah's intent itself is a divine stimulant, uh, which then uh, asks him to reveal his word so that human beings may listen to his word and then prepare themselves to be with Allah uh, perpetually in Jannah. That's Allah's intent. What's Allah's intent for you? That he wants you to be happy forever, not just this world. Once you understand that intent, then you will believe and you will do good deeds. And that is the role of the Bashir the one that gives glad tidings. All this is mentioned here in this Qur'an, uh, and only Allah knows uh, what his uh, intent is, but he reveals to human beings through the Qur'an, through the Prophet Wasallam, uh, what he wants human beings to do, which, as I said, is a sign of his immense rahmah and compassion that he wants to share this with human beings. We make dua Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us and preserve us and allow us to understand the Qur'an the way the Prophet understood it and to recite it the way he did. Ameen ya Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khilaqat. Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahabihi wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa rahmatullahi wa rah